Hello, and welcome to the Federal Contracting Made Easy podcast, where we take the complex world of government contracting and break it into simple steps that any small business owner can master. Now, let me introduce your host, Nancy Byerly. Hello, and welcome to the wonderful world of government contracting. This is episode number 43, and today's topic is on 10 Common Mistakes Small Businesses Make. But before we get started, I want you to subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel and my social media. By subscribing, you will be kept up to date on the latest of what's happening with Federal Contracting Made Easy and also be notified when new episodes are released. So let's get into today's topic, shall we? The American dream, starting and operating your own business. I don't know of anyone that has not at one time or another thought about starting their own business. Being one's own boss, setting your own work hours, and being responsible for your own destinies draws many people to start their own business. Once a business is started is when one finds out how unprepared they truly are. And I'm going to list the the 10 mistakes. They're not going to be listed in any order. They're what I found when consulting with small business owners. Number one, how to read financial statements. I interviewed over 50 small business owners and 49 of them stated that they lacked the knowledge to be able to read and comprehend their financial statements. When asked what they looked at on their profit and loss statement, most small business owners stated they looked at things. Total revenue, total expenses, and net profit. However, they don't have a clue as to where these numbers came from in their accounting software. Small business owners should be looking at the size of their accounts receivable on their accounting software. Why? Your accounts receivable, otherwise known as AR, have a direct impact on your cash flow. You should run an aging report on your AR and work on keeping your age and and keeping your accounts receivable under 60 days late. The end result will be more cash in the bank, ultimately helping you to eliminate cash flow problems, in theory that is, and also it lets you know which customers are slow paying and maybe there's something you want to do. So I had a gentleman that came to me and um, he wanted to get into a class that when I was working for the government that we were hosting and I said, well, you do, your your revenue is way above what we you know is geared for this class. And he goes, no, no, you don't have to understand. I need to be in this class. And I'm like, well, why? And he goes, um, you're talking about financial statements in that class, right? And I said, yes. And he goes, I don't know how to read my financial statements. And he got, I put him in the class. He got in the class. He did very well. He turned around. He looked at me and he goes, I didn't know anything about an aging report for my accounts receivable. I went in and cleaned up that aging report, and he goes, it made a different a difference on my cash flow. And I said, yeah, I will. <laughs> so just to give you an example, cash flow is king. I'm going to tell you that. Cash flow is king. And most small business owners struggle keeping enough cash into their business to keep the business operating while they wait for clients to pay them. 
That is why working capital pays such an important part in your business. It is better to keep your accounts receivable current, as the longer the accounts receivable is past due, the less likely you will be in collecting them, and the more likely the customers will end up on your bad debts account. And you don't want that. Also, it's imperative that small business owners deposit their checks as soon as they receive them. Let your money work for you by putting it in the bank. It's better to have your money in the bank than with your customers. The one thing I've noticed is accountants do not always counsel and train their clients. They really need to spend the time helping their clients understand their financial statements and how they relate to their business. I have seen a lot of accountants get fired for failing to do so. So if your accountant is not helping you understand your financial statements, then you may want to consider firing your accountant and hiring one that will coach and teach and train you. That's one of the things that are one of the classes that we had taught a lot of people that, you know, you need to, that accountant needs to be telling you and teaching you and showing you ways that you can save money. He should be looking at things saying, you know, look at this expense. It's, it appears to be um, higher than it should be. Let's take a look and see what we can do to reduce that. I mean, that's things that the accountant should be helping you with. Number two, working in your business and set up on your business. A typical small business owner will be one to meet with the clients, perform the work, and if time, work on other aspects of the business. But you're so overwhelmed with all the tasks that need to be done each day, you forget why you started the business in the first place. This is very difficult, but a critical step that needs to be happened once the business hires a few employees. The owner needs to delegate to his employees the actual work that needs to be performed. Why? Because this allows the, the owner of the small business to be able to spend some time, not all of it, but some time working on the business. Now, before he or she hires that employee, they need to have a system in place to be able to evaluate the employee's performance to ensure that they are performing the work to your standards. They also need to ensure that the employee has the knowledge and has been trained to perform the work. I've seen so many people that come in and say, okay, I need you to do this task, and then they go on. And they don't really have a plan in place on what they want that employee to do, how they want that employee to do it, and they don't train them on the exact way they want them to do it. And you need to do that. It doesn't mean that you as the boss tell them how to perform the work. That's not the case. You need to hold employees accountable to not only perform the work, but what your expectations are. This critical step needs to happen, and I have heard all the excuses in the book. Once a small business owner has delegated some of the responsibilities, it opens doors for that owner to work on a three-year growth plan, marketing plan, and getting more customers. I worked with small business owners for years, and I couldn't get them to understand that they need to dress the part of a business owner and not the part of an employee. 
this one business, I had been working with them for years. I have been telling them, look, you dress as if you're an employee. You need to dress as if you're the business owner. So I put them in one of these classes that I've talked about and got him to develop a three-year growth plan. And his classmates did what I could not do for them. They got him out of his work shirt and got him into a dress shirt. Later, he finally told me that he understood what I was talking about. This is a perfect example that small business owners need to listen to other small business owners as they most likely have experiences that you may not have had. And if you can find a mentor, that's really great help. Number three, no defined goals. It's imperative for, for business owners to set effective and obtainable goals for their organization. Without goals, your business will go nowhere. You need to not only establish the goals, but you must follow through to put a plan in place to achieve those goals. You want to set a time frame for each goal so that you don't lose focus. There's no point in creating a goal that has no end date. A goal with a time frame helps you stay on track. Small business owners will also want to have milestones for each goal. What's important is to create milestones that help you move in the right direction and ultimately see you achieving your business goals in the long term. Don't forget to track and analyze your goals so that you can see when you're not getting the results you're after. You may have to readjust your goals to fit your current plan. Don't be discouraged if you have a delay in the goal. There may be other goals that you can accomplish sooner that will make up for the goals that you had to delay. Number four, no employee accountability. In order to achieve success in your organization, you need to hold employees accountable for job performance and goal achievement. Otherwise, you are as guilty of mismanagement of the employees. In order to achieve success in your organization, you need to hold your employees accountable for the job that they are performing. And if they're responsible for a goal achievement, you need to hold them for that too. Managing employee performance and how work is done is a key to your organization's success. It is extremely important to give your employees the accountability to perform their tasks. What does this mean? It means that you give your employees the expectations on the outcome that is expected and they let you handle the work as you see fit. <clears throat> However, that does not mean that you don't follow up on your employees to verify they are meeting your expectations. Whatever you do, don't micromanage your employees. You need to let your employees accomplish their work. You can set guidelines and say, this is, you know, this is how, how what needs to be done, this is how I prefer it to be done. But let the employees find their own way of doing it. And then you never know. They may come up and find a way to do it that's even simpler than the way you think it needed to be done in the first place. High-performing organizations entrust their employees to take ownership, cultivate accountability, and create high levels of trust between all levels within the organization. And that's what you want to have. So what is ownership? Ownership is taking the initiative and doing what's right for the business. If that employee is engaged as you are in that business and as motivated as you are in that business, then they're going to take ownership of the, of 
of that task that you give them. And they're going to have the initiative and do what's right for the business. It's all about taking responsibility for the results and not passing off those responsibilities to others within the organization. Understanding your customers. In order to fully understand, you need to take some time to ask the right questions. What problems are your customers trying to solve? What questions do they have? How are your customers' questions changing and evolving? Once you have the answers to these questions and others, then you can help them by providing the solutions to these issues. And this is going to apply definitely in government contracting. The government thinks they know what the problem is. Nine times out of ten, they don't. But if you listen and have them explain the problem to you, a lot of times you can come up with a better solution than what they think they need. It works, trust me. Too often, I have seen businesses go going to potential clients and telling them what they can do for them without understanding the problems that they're facing. A little homework up front can turn a potential customer into a client for life. By the way, this is something you just don't do once, but on a continual basis, as your customers need change and evolve, and along with their problems also change. So just remember that. Lack of communication. In my mind, in business, you can never communicate too much. Communication is a key to a well-run business. I can tell you from experience that a lack of communication can and ru will ruin high-performing teams and employees. If employees don't know what is expected and how they are to manage their job responsibilities, your business will fall apart. It will have a direct impact on not only your employees, but also your customers and your business name. Something else we talk about lack of communication. Um, you know, if you have 100 employees, make sure you get out there and visit those 100 employees on a regular basis, not just at the yearly Christmas party. You need to continually keep in touch, whether it's by Skype or some other method. You need to reach out and talk to those employees. See what's happening. See what's changing. You never know. They could turn around and tell you, hey, you know, this customer is having, having this problem, and I think we can fix it by implementing this. What do you think? You never know. You might find another customer through your own employees. And if you have a really good employee, they're going to help you find customers. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Unclear plan. So if you remember back when you started your business, you, came, you should have came up with a vision and mission statement. Uh, there's a lot of businesses that don't. So what is a vision statement? A vision statement defines the core ideas that gives your business its direction. A vision, a vision statement can be used to guide and motivate employees. Whereas a mission statement defines the company's culture, goals, ethics, and a standard for decision making. Number eight, not anticipating changes in the market. I've seen a number of small businesses not foresee changes in the market, which resulted in them either going out of business or affected their business badly. 
For example, in 2008, when the recession hit, I watched a number of small businesses go bankrupt and close their doors. Why? They simply didn't anticipate the recession. Small business owners got used to having sizable funds in their business accounts, so they withdrew the money and spent it on new homes, new cars or trucks, ATV, and an RTV. Small business owners went into debt because they thought they had plenty of work and everything seemed fine. Business owners need to keep the money in the business in case of a rainy day. What happens if there's a, a dull in the market, or like right now, perfect example for government contracting. You're a government contractor with the Department of Interior, and you have employees that provide staffing services. Basically, you got a staffing services contract. The government's shut down. You've got an employee now that's not making any money. How are you going to support that employee? Are you going to pay that employee? Or are you going to say, oh, tough luck, just go file unemployment? That's because you didn't anticipate changes in the market. You know the government's done this. The government, this is like the second or third time this year that the government has decided to shut their doors for political reasons. But by if you had anticipated that these changes were coming, then you would have set the money aside and be able to help your employees during that time. And that's that's what a good business does. They just don't leave their employees hanging. They help their employees during these times. Another thing I've watched is that companies get complacent with one or two revenue, revenue streams, and they don't diversify. It is best to build the company up to a minimum of seven revenue streams so that if something happens in one revenue stream, it doesn't destroy your business. Number nine, get rich quick. I cannot tell you the number of businesses that walk through the door and want to get a large contract with a customer. It's better to build your business up slowly than try to land one large contract when you don't have any past performance. A client may not hire you if you have never worked with any other clients. They don't want to take the risk Yet, small business owners think one large client and they have it made. And some of them will get that one large client. I've seen it happen, but it's be you're better off to build up multiple clients doing small bits of work, going after the larger, bit, larger client a little later on. What happens if you blow it with that large client? You've lost them forever. Many small business owners will give up on their dreams because they fail to remember that success takes time perseverance, and a little bit of luck. Last but not least, number 10. Failing to develop a three-year growth plan. Business owners are so overwhelmed in the day-to-day -day management of their businesses that they fail to take the time to develop a growth strategy. Imagine if you discovered ways to increase your revenues by 30% or lower your expenses by 15%. What impact would that have on the bottom line for your business? By taking the time to implement a three-year growth strategy, it can take your business to the next level. Avoiding these mistakes will not guarantee your success.
However, it is essential to understand how various choices you make impact your business. Too many times, business owners are consumed with working in their business that they fail to take the time to work on their business. Using goals to achieve your business success in the first place is a good start. I had a company that was able to increase their revenues by 40% within a six-month period by setting achievable goals with a, with a specific time frame. So I hope you will take the time and just set one idea from this post and implement it. I'm sure you're going to see results. So that's the end for today. I hope you'll implement SMART goals as we discussed in the other previous episode. And I hope you'll look at these common mistakes and take one or two or three and try, if, if you have them, and look at them. Are they something that is in your business or something you can do to improve on your business? That That's what we're here for, to help you. So before I let you go, please take the time to subscribe, provide a rating for the podcast, thumbs up, like button. It'd be greatly appreciated. And until next time, as always, be safe.